0: Kelly, you hate to see it, but it's time for Mixed Up Confusion. Man, it's a-killing me. There's just too many people. And they're all too hard to please. I felt like Robert Johnson in that moment, though. I was yelling at the wall. You know, apparently when he was recording these songs, he turned his back to the wall. And the the myth became that he um, played to the wall because he was so shy and he didn't play. But no, he's like, you get that that sound. Yeah. That sound off the walls. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think we've gone full... At least from like my reading and stuff, we've gone full. He was just a shy person, infected by the devil with this ability to do it, to being what he probably was, which was a gregarious outgoing personality who learned the guitar and became like a, a, what became an archetypal bluesman, Nick, yep. like, which is probably closer to the truth. I'm sure there's some in between, you know, but yeah, the guy it's an artist, Damn. who's the guy, Kelly? I don't know, Robert johnson
1: Mm.
0: kelly it's robert johnson month well hey that's appropriate then it is we just listened to down the highway the beginning of robert johnson month so if you want to listen to our episode on down the highway episode 95 95. search it out on your favorite podcast app maybe the one you're listening to us on that would it might be your favorite it might not maybe it's time to change who knows think about it (laughs) think about it this is a crossroad moment for you. And we are here today to talk about remastered Devil at the Crossroads. This is a an ongoing series on Netflix.
1: Anthology kind of thing, right? Yeah. Every episode is going to be different. is different, right? And, and instead of whatever.
0: diving into the bigger, more well-known, quote unquote, um, Robert Johnson documentaries, this one feels like definitely the the one we should do because it's the one that people are definitely going to watch. Who have no idea about Robert Johnson at all?
1: It's really accessible. Not only is it brand new, so it's so super true. shiny, but it's yeah. only like forty five minutes long, so
0: which is great. And so they're all about that. So it's kind of like watching like a, a good, a really well done, you know, VH one thing back yeah. in the day, you know, uh, but way better way better and the series itself we'll talk about more of the other episodes at the end because I was not aware of this but I'm actually I cannot wait to watch some of them because they seem really cool Uh, because they're very specifically and I guess that's important to note is that they're not overviews of a person's life canon impact anything like that it's kind of looking at a very specific part of their life Robert Johnson is considered one of the greatest blues artists of all time It's
1: the template for what became rock and roll. I believe Robert Johnson was extremely talented, extremely gifted, and way off balance. Something's spinning strangely in that man's life. Robert was a novice guitar player, not very good. This man
0: was a nobody. And then he disappears. A year and a half later, he's doing things with the guitar that even his mentors can't do. How could Robert possibly have gotten that good that fast? So Kelly, before we even get into it, if you haven't watched it, please stop listening to us and go watch it immediately. <laughs> but just uh, off the cuff, I mean, how did you feel coming to this? What's your relationship to Robert Johnson in general and, and what, what did this do for you?
1: I mean, it's, we've definitely talked about Robert Johnson during our Sign in the Window episodes.
0: It's been on our pl- uh, playlist about three or four times so yeah. far.
1: Yeah, and I've heard his music before. I think at some point I did listen to his whole catalog, but it's been a really long time. Um, but I, I, have no, I know nothing about him other than that big, the myth of like, he sold his soul to the devil to right. play guitar well. Um, so I think that this was beautiful. That there's a lot of animation points. When you don't have, when you're dealing with somebody whose life happened, like, pre-recording technology for the most part
0: no archival footage right exactly
1: had. um it's i think you have to go somewhere right and i'm glad they went the animation route yeah. as opposed to doing some weird reenactment shit which i'm not a big fan of
0: like they had like you know and they did that in the uh, 1997 documentary can't can't you hear the wind howl the life of music of robert johnson mm. uh, one of the interviewers one of the artists who performed a little bit um chem Kem Kevin oh, Kemo, Yeah, he uh, performed as Robert Johnson okay. in that 1987 yeah. documentary.
1: I prefer the animation just because I me think as it, well. It allows you to to interpret it a little bit differently, and it well, just it gives you glimpses is...
0: of life that wouldn't be part of an archive either. Yeah, like when he like. Um, was a boy and his dad was screaming at him or something. And he went to his room and like slumped down Mm -hmm. and you saw the devil rise up behind the the devil thing. It gives you so much more imagery to play with, which was wonderful.
1: And even putting lyrics on the screen as Mm -hmm. things are happening is just really nice. Well, that was that
0: beautiful use of archival interviews, you Mm -hmm. know, people going out to take those. They're old, they're grainy. They were probably taken in the 1950s, 60s, but they're just imagine what a tape recorder was like back then. Lugging it down to Mississippi um, was a, was a chore. Uh, So they're very airy, very, Very large sounding, Uh, so they did a great job of of putting animation. And instead of just doing subtitles, they did a really cool, you know, putting the words on the screen, but stylistically, Mm -hmm. which I thought, I mean, amazing, uh, especially for someone like me that really loves like oral histories and stuff like that. I love to see them used in a way that people are actually going to respond to. They want
1: to engage Uh, with it. So yeah, you
0: have Sun House who was actually there giving this interview about like him being a pipsqueak not knowing how to play guitar that shit's gold you can't do this documentary without that footage Mm -hmm. but how do you do it is the big question so the way this was done i want to again directed by brian oaks amazing job absolutely we had a lot of people in there too we had interviews and performances from we of course got the obligatory bob dylan shout out mm-hmm. uh, because of john hammond's connection to it and then you know clearly on to dylan uh keith richard was on there keb mo taj mahal mm-hmm. f- favorite of the podcast for sure uh if you want to listen to secondly probably one That's of right. our best episodes one of my favorites that we've ever done uh body Rates was in there as well um amongst others yeah, I can't
1: remember the other woman's name who's like apparently a really established blues musician. Yeah. Sorry. And we also got
0: lady. we also got footage from 91's The Search for Robert Johnson done by John Hammond Jr. He was kind of on this.
1: Mm-hmm. But I think they used yeah, he they
0: used more of his um footage than him in this one because right. they already had some of it. So like interviewing his son, I'm going to say Cause that John Hammond one was done for BBC back in 91. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then, like I said, I can't, can't you hear the wind howl the life and music of Robert Johnson. So those are two of that are available. Um, I don't know if they're online or not. We didn't go that route because I think this one, this one really is the one that people are going to be watching. It's like rolling thunder. We can go watch Ronaldo and Clara, or we can a- acknowledge that we're in 2019. This is what's out here. This is what people are actually going to watch. Right. We'll get to the other stuff maybe later. Not so much for Robert Johnson, but for Bob Dylan. You know, that's kind of like that's expert level watching at that point. Like this is a great intro and that's really where we got to be. So, yeah, the influence of the devil at the crossroads was pretty cool. At first, I was a little disappointed because it just seemed to be all about that. And it wasn't until I realized that the whole series was kind of this theme, like we're taking one theme and we're doing it, um, that I started to feel better about it, especially right afterwards. But I also like that they didn't just do the myth because the myth is corny as shit. And it's not real, right? Like him going to the devil and selling his soul. If you don't know, that's literally it. He's probably one of the most famous, especially contemporary people that have been charged, if you will, with selling their soul for
1: a talent of some kind. But every religion says there's a soul, part. Why would they lie? What would they have to gain?
0: I don't hear scrubbing.
1: Well, if your soul is real, where is it? It's kind of in here. And when you sneeze, that's your soul trying to escape. Saying God bless you crams it back in. And when you die, it squirms out and flies away. Uh Uh-huh. What if you die in a submarine at the bottom of the ocean? Oh, it can swim. It's even got wheels. In case you die in the desert and it has to drive to the cemetery. How can someone with glasses that thick be so stupid? Listen, you don't have a soul. I don't have a soul. There's no such thing as a soul. Fine. If you're so sure about that, why don't you sell your soul to me? How much you got? Five bucks. Deal.
0: I'm glad that they broke down what that even means in context. We get a lot of stuff about hoodoo religion, African folklore, uh, about the crossroads. We get sort of a bigger deep dive than we're done in the last iteration of musicologists talking about. A lot of it was centered around African Music and African folklore and like kind of tropes of that time, but really a song like Hellhound on My Trail isn't just a spiritual song talking about Satan, but it's exactly what is portrayed in the documentary. It's about running from a lynch mob. Mm-hmm. It's about laying down to to get the sense of the trout, the The hellhound. The hellhound is the law. The hellhound is the clan. Like. To to bring it into a context that um, even just seeing some reviews from people who don't know anything about him, they had no idea about that stuff. I didn't know about that. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. it's like if you're not acquainted with the Jim Crow South, you're not acquaint- acquainted with the 1920s, 1930s. These, yeah, this song, it, this song, that song, Hellhound on the Trail, is a great one. But just this documentary is really going to lay out to you the history of, um, you know, not so much slavery, but but post post-war uh you know sharecroppers like mm-hmm. those sharecroppers were one generation that they were they were the sons and daughters of slaves and that's amazing i mean it's just amazing to think that we have music from people from that time that's fucking crazy to me
1: blues falling down blues falling down like Me. On my on my on my and they it's not like they don't give you information about his life. It's very much the first paragraph of a Wikipedia article kind of overview in the sense of it's like he was born in this time in this place, which is like to a sharecropper in Mississippi, in Mississippi. and he didn't want to live that life. So he started playing the guitar. They played it for the um plantation owners and he was yeah. able to kind
0: of even plantations too nice of a word those are those are slave labor games yeah so.
1: yeah uh and then we're playing like local Jew joints and stuff all around up and down the up and down the highway yeah and- which
0: is really fascinating to me just like imagining him with his guitar like mm-hmm. it's just such a weird world you know because cars were pretty new at that point and it's just imagining picking up Robert Johnson on the road and just like dropping him off in town you know it's like yeah. that's just a weird thing yeah. it's just like People would do it for sure. I mean, I totally expect that, but you can't imagine it, especially because things are so um, polarized in our head, too. It's like there's no way like even a white guy would give a black guy. But surely that happened. Surely people just dropped him off in towns. And they even made a point of that, too, in the towns. The sunset laws almost didn't apply because the towns are inherently more liberal and more open to People, and they want entertainment. And they want entertainment. They want yeah. talented entertainment, not just fucking you know losers, dweebs showing up to play whatever. <laughs> but yeah, there, there's like people there. And right. it's like, if you can get to the city, then you're going to be okay. And I think we feel that way. A lot of people still feel that way today. Oh, yeah, I do. You know? um, but but at the end of the day, it's still interesting. The way we do it is we get in our nice little cars and we drive to the place or right. whatever. But here, it's like Hitchin. That's wild. 1920s mm-hmm. too. And I love the image of him with the guitar on his back love it a lot. We get a lot about the 27 club too. Right. Which is pretty interesting. That's kind of uh, bringing us up to the present. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because he's like the, the, what's it called? The Genesis of it. Yeah. One of the first ones. Yeah. People have gone back now to find other people that died at 27 Mm. years old as artists. I think they're on the list on Wikipedia. There's about two or three before Before. him, Uh, but they're just kind of like violins and stuff. I mean, he's definitely the first with like this kind of a following this kind of an impact uh, on people but yeah him Jimi Hendrix was mentioned Janis Joplin was mentioned Jim Morrison Brian Jones Kirk Cobain Amy Winehouse mm-hmm. um, he could have mentioned Rudy Lewis Dickie Pride Alan Wilson of Can Heat died at 27 uh, Ron Pickpen McCarran, who was a keyboardist for The Grateful Dead died at 27 um, Kristen Pfaff the bassist for Hole oh wow she died she died as well Right after um, Kurt Cobain, wow. like a couple months later. Huh. Uh, and then Jeremy Michael Ward, who played for Mars Volta when they first started. Uh, you could have also put on a couple of other ones. D. Boone for The Minuteman Man. Uh, and Richie Evans for The Manic Street preacher- Preachers. i have oh, yeah, heard yeah. of them. Yeah, He d- disappeared, apparently. He just disappeared. Oh, They still haven't found him. Huh. And like when they do tours and stuff, they still give 25% of... Because every he was the the lead writer of all the songs and stuff, so they still have lyrics of his that they put to songs, wow. and they give twenty five percent to his family to this day. So, damn,
1: you're making a point to clearly show the line of influences between Robert Johnson specifically and like the yeah. Rolling Stones and Bob Dylan. And... Well, that stuff is
0: really good, mm-hmm. right? With Keith Richards, yeah, and and they're were very playful about like, isn't it? Even with the Twenty Seven Club, like all these people died by overdose. I mean, just the people I mentioned were were overdose. Uh, related in some kind. It might be alcohol poisoning or whatever, or, or asphyxiation for Jimi Hendrix. Right. But, but we know what was going on. Um, and of course, you've got to Keith Richards lighting up a cigarette and just like, somehow I'm, I'm still alive. I'm never going to fucking die. Right, which is wild. And yeah. just uh, well done. You understand what you're doing. That's And that's maybe what I would say. Brian Oaks knows what he's doing, and he's doing it well. And what else can you expect from mm. um, from somebody making a documentary for Netflix, you know, for 45, especially a short one, a 45 minute short documentary, very compelling, very engaging.
1: And we got some big moments in his life that definitely influenced his songwritings. Like when he was 18, he had a wife that was uh, 15 who got pregnant, uh, went to live with her grandmother while uh, he kind of toured around a little bit, probably conceivably to save some money for them. He finally went to go see her um, and she and the baby had died during childbirth. So he got to the his, their, her grandmother's house, Virginia was her name, uh, to find that they had both died, and it's wow. like holy shit. And he's eighteen, you know, that that has to be super traumatic. And yeah. then uh, later in his life, he married another woman, and her parents said that they were not allowed to be together. It took. Uh, her name was like virgie too which is a little Ooh. weird also she was much younger than him at the time yeah. i think he was probably like in his mid-20s and she was that's a, a thing a school girl, so that's like, a thing. not great uh but anyway they they took her from him shielded her from him and right. he only met his son from that union if you will yeah twice
0: which is wild i didn't realize he even met him so yeah. that's that's interesting.
1: So I think it gives you. I think it gives you the perfect amount of context of his life.
0: Well, we got that archival footage with the sun, too, which is mm-hmm. really great, and we got to see the house. And I think it right, was behind the house, in '91 too for the documentary. I believe that house is oh, behind been, him, yeah. which is just so crazy to see it that and see it. You know, probably 2016, 15, whenever they recorded this. It's, yeah, to see it's this wild. house still
1: standing, this shotgun style house uh, from the 1900s, like early 1900s, Amazing. still standing, incredible. It's great, but yeah, it's it's really funny to think that this myth came up considering so he was like a fixture in these juke joints and stuff in the south and he went away disappeared oh right for like 18 months total and came back and could play the guitar really well it's like yeah i bet the dude had no fucking money and all he did was sit around and play his guitar for a year and a half which it sounds like he did he it had his mentor ike zimmerman right. where they would just go to graveyards which i think is so cute they're yeah. like the he's, the the, the line fine. was yeah well <laughs> the only way to learn the blues is to sit on a gravestone yeah. and play it and at midnight and wait for the the taints they call them right, yeah, right. which is hilarious but uh, which is like a, a southern apparently hoodoo kind of word for spirits or ghosts yeah. to teach you how to play it and I think that that is a cute little myth like that's really fun that, yeah. that that's how we learned and I, well, I have no apparently doubt. they
0: did and it's not some people say it's one specific but I think we've uh, you know historians now say. There were there were at least like it's Sunnydale, there's at least like nine 6, cemeteries 000. around. <laughs> yeah. So it's like it's inconceivable that you would go to the one, right? If the one was occupied mm-hmm. or there was something, you would just go to the other. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, he would just play it at cemeteries because it was quiet. Right. It makes complete sense. Absolutely. So yes, it stands to reason that this guy who was practicing
1: probably every fucking day, hours and hours a day, he's nothing else to do, yeah. got better at playing the fucking
0: guitar. That sounds far fetched. He definitely <laughs> sold his soul to the devil. Only clearly. explanation. Uh, incredible, and
1: having these life experiences that would definitely give you some fucking songwriting ammo, it's right? Not
0: how it works. <laughs> it's not how it works. You clearly
1: never, right? No, yeah, and what do you know about <laughs> anything? Nothing. I've never played in a graveyard, so
0: I think it's funny that that yeah, they can just uh Willie Green and, and Sunhouse can just say an offhanded comment like that, and it just be construed into this crazy mm-hmm. myth, yep. which is the nature of myths. I think it's always good to like question the mythologies of the world around you.
1: I can't help but feel like some of it was jealousy, right? Like yeah. these guys established Sunhouse and these other people that were playing contemporary to him who had been practicing just as hard, just as long. I mean, longer there were established. Yeah. And then so for this, you know, punk kid to be like this fucking amazing guitarist, <sighs> like that's
0: some bullshit. There's no way this is possible. That's a good question though, because there's not really a financial stake in a way. You know, just they, pride. they were making,
1: well, sure. Yeah. yeah that it was the only way to explain how he's so good and we're not better than him yeah. because we should be must be the devil
0: must it's gotta be the
1: devil, yeah. Clearly. yeah for sure if i have-
0: Death. I mean, which is, we've kind of alluded to his death is, is famous, uh, in a way, especially the way that the, the show, because they're sticking to the myth, especially about the devil. And that's kind of the whole point. Um, then they, of course, side with the mythology that he drank from a poison a bottle, unsealed, unsealed bottle. Very important. It's the hubris, Kelly. Hashtag. <laughs> it's the hubris. Um, he was like, don't ever knock a bottle out of my hand. I'm going to drink that. And then he drinks it, knowing that it was poison. They they knew, like, don't drink from an unsealed bottle. And he died over the course of multiple days. So the, so the history of this is pretty interesting. So one of the first people who looked for Robert Johnson, uh, his name is Robert Mac McCormick. Uh, he went in search for the people associated around Robert Johnson. And apparently he said that he found the man who poisoned him, but hmm. declined to name his name just for... His own Oh, safety, well, or he capital crimes to, have
1: or... no statute of limitations, friend. So if he admitted it to to it today, right. he would still be tried. This is Could also,
0: he, he was actually at Newport when Bob Dylan went electric. And he, Robert Mack, McCormick might actually be where we have the, the idea that Pete Seeger wanted to cut the With electricity. The taxi, right? It was actually McCormick. And it was actually Ooh. happened at rehearsal because uh, he did cut. He had some uh, former convicts who were going to come and play for the first time on stage, and Bob Dylan was rehearsing. And he was like, fuck this guy. Get this guy off my stage. Uh, maybe not his stage, but the stage. Sure, sure. And so that kind of morphed into, again, another myth, morphed into Pete Seeger with an axe <laughs> trying to fucking <laughs> like, end electric music as He's we know it. Lunacy! Uh, but anyways, he he said that he found the man and didn't know. Um, strychnine was also a possibility. That would have been the, the one drug, the one you know agent, Poisoned. essentially, that would have... Um, been somewhat available to people uh but tom graves who wrote a book called crossroads the life and afterlife of blues legend robert johnson uh said he talked to toxicologists um and they said that strychnine was too pungent and you would know immediately and we sort of posited that if you're so fucking drunk you'll just drink anything right Right. but he said that it would kill if he was drinking it the way he was drinking it so drunk that he would just down a bottle he would have died within hours not mm. days so in the even in the documentary they talk about days of just suffering uh before he dies some people think that he had congenital syphilis that's the syphilis you get passed on from your parents oh. so it's syphilis that'll come out or like later hereditary if syphilis. it's not treated which it wouldn't have been treated back then right because now that i'm sure there's a sexual syphilis involved as well if if we are to believe that every town had another woman and that was kind of what he, he was, was walking doing. down VD Avenue. He was walking VD Avenue yeah. and it's dangerous down VD Avenue, mm-hmm. but Woody Guthrie was not there to tell him. God, damn. So just
1: a decade too, just a late. decade too
0: early. Yeah, it's, it's very sad. Very sad. Gail Dean Wardlow in 1971 turned his birth cert, sorry, turned his death certificate over to find a note on the back of his death certificate said, quote, I talked with a white man on whose place the Negro died, and I also talked to the Negro woman on the place. The plantation owner said the Negro man, seemingly about 26 years old, came from Tunica two or three weeks before he died to play banjo at a Negro dance given there on the plantation. He stayed at the house with some of the Negroes, saying he wanted to pick cotton. The white man did not have a doctor for the Negro, as he had, as he had not worked for him. He was buried in the homemade coffin furnished by the county. The plantation owner said it was his opinion that the man died of syphilis. Hmm. So that's another take on it as well. So he's going, just kind of doing the same stuff he was doing, going to another show. Just trying to find some work. And then he succumbs to an illness. And syphilis will be one of those diseases where it won't kill you outright. Right. But it certainly weakens all of your protections that you have. You would know. If you've gone down VD Avenue.
1: Right. Well, I mean, it sounds like if that is true, that one on the back of the death certificate is to believe that he was clearly symptomatic in a bad way, that like, this yeah. guy needs a doctor or he's going to die. And there was no doctor. So and I'm not going to get him a doctor. doctor, doctor. So. <laughs> uh,
0: and then uh, at the very end, we were talking about his, his hands.
1: Right. So there's only two photos of him. Now three,
0: two right? Two photos. I think a, a third has been discovered.
1: Which and is it's been fucking insane. Yeah. I mean, I guess not for the time, but... I, him being Robert Johnson today right. is insane to think about that then. But I guess makes perfect I sense. I will say happening.
0: that uh, the two that are famous are pretty good photos. Oh, yeah. They're pretty good. But
1: yeah, his hands. His hands are enormous. I was looking at the photo from the one of the album covers today. One of the two, whatever it is. Yeah. yeah they're gigantic. Oh, yeah. In the documentary, too, it says, uh, or the episode of whatever we watched, that he had added a seventh string to a six yeah, string guitar, was wild.
0: which people which, were like, what the fuck is this? But then they were like, but then he could just do stuff with his fingers that nobody they were else giant. could. Which is amazing. So uh, David Connell, who is a doctor, said that based on the photographs and the, quote, unnaturally long fingers and, quote, one bad eye, uh, he may have had Morphin syndrome, hmm. which is where um, he had, you know, the fingers are very long um, in relation to the arm and the rest of the body. And it could have tri- attributed to his death because hmm. part of that length um, also affects the circuitry of your body. And typically it'll be like, I mean, he 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 said that he died potentially uh, by aortic dissection. Hmm. So his aorta closed or cut or whatever that could mean. I didn't really look it up. But yeah, apparently when I looked up Marfan syndrome, a lot of the complaints and problems come down to the heart circulation, the yes. circulation of the body. Hmm. So that could also be part of it too. And and if you had syphilis that hand in hand. Well that's a complicated kind of bring it down. Yeah. Which is tough. So I respect them going down with the poison bottle route because that's dope. Well so much but like more fun story, of course. And you don't need to do the this is not a fucking detective story. This isn't like but the other thing is this. Right. Um, investigation
1: discovery or whatever.
0: But it is cool to not yeah, to, to, to let the trees stand to not go into the woods with all of your knowledge and to just kind of enjoy the forest and i think that's what this does so well is you can just enjoy the forest without and if you're interested in the trees then you can go in and find out more about his birth his death certificate and the rest of his life the, not the, the red huh? yeah, she got myself not the, the
1: red huh? yeah, she got them- long in the kitchen with in the the red she got she the
0: she so our review was pretty good but i got to say imdb the internet's great the internet's great i'm going to start with justin paul 11
1: Justin Paul 11 Justin this is Paul a review 11. on IMDB about the episode of this series was it called remastered remastered
0: e- remastered yes yeah. um the title of this review is supernatural did it better quote years back they covered this story demon not devil i cannot say what i would about this film call it whatever you want due to sensitivity but it was very very mediocre
1: so it's just like the robert johnson legend right i mean selling your soul at the crossroads kind of deal yeah except that wasn't a legend I mean, you know his music you don't know robert Johnson's songs Same. There's a, there's a cold references all over his lyrics i mean crossroad blues mean devil blues Hellhound on my trail story goes that he died choking on his own blood he was hallucinating and and muttering about big evil dogs
0: season two episode eight November 6, 2006, Crossroad Blues covered this. In the show, Robert Johnson is sort of the cold open. They don't actually ever interact with Robert Johnson, which is interesting. Robert Johnson is just there. Apparently, people down in Mississippi are selling their soul, and in 10 years, they're being eaten by what people think are black dogs, but they're actually hellhounds, which is pretty interesting. Hellhound on the trail. So all this stuff is actually in the episode, which is kind of interesting. The song is there. Crossroad Blues is on Hmm. the episode. And they're down there, you know, doing their supernatural shit or whatever. But apparently in their lore, Robert Johnson sold his soul for the devil for 10 years about the time that he lived. And then he died by Hellhound. I love the Wikipedia for Supernatural because it says that his status is, quote, soul exists in hell. Because he did get taken down to hell, which is kind of rude to take a guy to hell just for, like, wanting to be a good blues guitarist. What was he hurting but I guess, you know, I guess if you're selling your soul, it's kind of tough. I,
1: just, I can't believe this review is like, they covered it. Uh Supernatural, Supernatural. So I don't know why this needs to exist. Also,
0: demon, not devil. Oh uh, so don't be stupid. Oh my God. That's so
1: funny. <laughs> That's so funny. Whether like this episode of Supernatural is actually way more accurate and important than whatever the fuck Netflix is doing.
0: And if you want to immediately feel old. <laughs> A line in this, because you can go to like the lines, you know, we've all been to the wikia sites. Uh, A line from Dean in this episode is one of the Supernatural brothers. That's right. I know more about Supernatural, but I'm saying it stupidly so that people get angry. We're going to get letters. Uh, Quote MySpace. What the hell is that? Seriously. Is it like some kind of porn site? That's the world that we're living in. Wow. My sister loves Supernatural, by the way. She, She definitely has watched this episode, but I've not asked her about it. And she probably would not remember it, but it does look cool. I got to say, it's a very stylistic show from what I've seen of it. It's pretty cool. And it's a great idea. And also to follow up on the hellhound on the trail, that's a good look. Like you at least know what you're talking about. So apparently it's just like three flashbacks, like beginning, middle, and the end, where Mm. you just see Robert Johnson, you know, sort of wanting to be better and then selling his soul and then him being chased by the hellhounds and Mm. then being taken to hell. Um, I mean, it's a great idea for a story, but is it better Than the actual documentary or whatever we'll call this film, but I can't due to sensitivity, which gets us to snag shark teeth. Quote, this film reminds me of racism.
1: Oh my God. Oh my God.
0: Blues is not talented music. Yeah, it's nice and chill, but it ain't nothing incredible. The devil's music in this modern time, the devil's music is Marilyn Manson. Oh my gosh. As far as desynchronized finger picking goes, Tommy Emmanuel owns the world. Pretty much every single major or even minor musician this day and age refers to the devil or his so-called duties in some way. Queen, Bohemian Rhapsody, for example. If there was a devil, I don't think he would be interested in currency. Period, comma. That's the end. Sometimes I do this for Bob Dylan songs, and I take them out because I realize oh that people are just trying their best, and these are ridiculous. And there's only eight reviews, huh?
1: Like, oh. And then, then these are two of them.
0: I mean, I love the supernatural one. I honestly only love it because it got me to look at supernatural. That's right. that's fun. I'm glad that I know that that exists. But come on, what the fuck, other guy? <laughs> like, you, can you not put yourself? This reminds into... me of
1: racism. <laughs> I'm just like, I what?
0: Mean, what a great lead that made me want to read the entire thing so and also just like fuck blues music it's not that cool tommy <laughs> emmanuel whoever that is poor tommy emmanuel getting thrown into this shit tommy <laughs> emmanuel would say in a heartbeat no, no 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 respect to robert johnson i know nothing about the guy Are but i can kidding? tell you this much Snag shark teeth never heard of it what's a shark i don't know wow wow
1: thank you for sharing that with me
0: yes so that that's what you have to look forward to probably on the other episodes of remastered so if you really like this and i do and i can't wait to go back and rewatch some of them they've done a few of them tricky dick and the man in black i kind of alluded it before uh, johnny cash goes to the white house uh, for richard nixon invites him because he's looking for cred so it's not all music stuff then if no, it's a no. nixon well no but it's it's but it's uh, johnny cash tricky dick and the man in black the man in black is johnny cash
1: oh 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 wait,
0: you think it's lost
1: i don't know well, isn't there like a Johnny whole Cash like the Man of Black? Deep Throat stuff and all that stuff? So I'm confused. Deep Throat.
0: You just said it. Yeah. His name is Deep Throat. Oh, not the Man in Black. The Man in Black is the <laughs> okay. Man in okay. Black. Is okay, okay, Johnny okay. Cash. Okay, sorry. So Johnny Cash goes to play the White House because he's looking for country cred. He's looking for conservative Republican sure. cred. Um, but this is a time when Johnny Cash is like not a conservative Republican, whatever he thinks he is right. just based on the music he's doing. So it's that tension of like, I'm going here to say fuck you. Right. And what kind of world we're in where he's at that point, he's writing the songs about Native American, um, you know, Native American songs, Native American life. And he's like part of that, you know, the, the American Indian movement. He's like hmm. there in 1969, 1970. So so it is wild to even be invited to the White House. Uh, another one based on the called The Lion Share, uh, where they search out the original writers of The Lion Sleeps tonight.
1: Oh, yeah, one, right, uh, right,
0: uh, yeah. The Two Killings of Sam Cooke. So sort of looking at Sam Cooke. I Cooks. need to watch that one. Who killed um, Jam Master Jay? Oh, we DMC DJ right. killed in 2002. Still have no idea. I remember when he died. Holy shit. And they still don't know uh, the Miami. This one's cr- crazy. I've never heard of this band. And I think that's the point. The Miami, the Miami show band massacre in and The tag of it in 1974, while on the way home from a gig, the apolitical rock group, the rock group, the Miami show band fell into the crosshairs of a Protestant unionist paramilitary group that planted explosives on their bus when they stopped at a fake checkpoint.
1: Holy shit. So
0: apparently, I don't know, that they probably got blown up. Wild. Wow. What a wild. I I really want to watch that. and I definitely want to watch the next one. Massacre at the stadium, uh, looking at the death of Victor Jara, who died. He's a Chilean uh, guitarist, uh, musician who was killed in the purge after Pinochet, um, you know, headed the coup that took down Salvador Allende, backed by the United States government. And, uh, yeah, Victor Hara was killed in stadiums where people were just massacred. Mm. Um, so just kind of the life and the music of, uh, Victor Hara. So yeah, if you want to watch other, uh, other things, uh, these are relatively low key stuff. Like these are not like Bob Dylan at Newport, you know, at the Newport festival, these are not like the big moments in rock and roll history. These are like really small time stuff, but can really like shine a light on like bands and artists. Well, yeah, slightly obscure,
1: but incredibly fascinating moments. Yeah.
0: Kelly, this conversation reminds me of racism. (laughs) Anyways, Robert Johnson month is continuing onward. So if you're interested, go back and listen to down the highway. And if you want to listen to our next episode, we're going to be doing pledging my time, our next foray into blonde on blonde. So we'll be talking about uh, all of those songs off the cutting edge. And we'll be talking about it in relation to the blues in general, Robert Johnson, all that kind of shit. Kelly, great, great pick. On this movie, yeah. very, very, very good, and I highly recommend You're it for welcome. anybody out there. Yeah, any great. final words?
1: No, it's it's short, and easy. Go watch it.
0: Go watch it now. Goodbye.